0: Brexit is the defining event of our times, certainly if you live in the UK. History and future generations will assess the eventual impact, but for now, it's too early to say what will happen once Article 50 is invoked, assuming that happens, of course. I'm here today to interview Fifth Step CEO Darren Ray, as we assess potential risks and opportunities, as well as Brexit continuity planning. So, Darren, uh, how can you adopt a business continuity approach for Brexit? Well, Chris, there's uh, really five steps that um, that we're advising
1: companies to uh, to take in looking at their. Their Brexit continuity plan, and really, a Brexit continuity plan is very much a continuation or an extension, if you like, of a normal business continuity plan. You know, we understand uh, that there are risks, there are eventual outcomes that we believe will take place, um, but as your introduction said, it's very much um, you know early stages um, to be uh, prejudging this. But organisations need to be understanding um you know what's acceptable to them what's unacceptable to them in order that they can actually start to get some continuity and some planning and some um some confidence
0: in the in the future state of uh, of their business and the things that impact their business yeah. yes yeah I mean, I believe it's the Chinese that say that a crisis is 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 an opportunity, isn't it? Um, yeah, I think it's a. Isn't it the, it's the it's Chinese same.
1: character for uh, for crisis and opportunity are yeah. either the same or very similar? But something uh, like that. Yeah, starting yeah. to show my ignorance <laughs> of, um, of, of of Chinese uh, of Chinese character sets there, but um, yeah, very much so. Yeah, very much so. So so. So you're right in what you're saying. There is an opportunity here uh, for organisations A to strengthen themselves, but also to find um, opportunities in uh, to improve their business and um, you know reduce the risks that their business faces from Brexit. And there's enough time at the moment um, for organisations to take the steps now to start
0: to um, you know divest themselves of some of that risk. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, before we get into um, you know the business continuity plan for Brexit, I think. I mean, there may be listeners out there who, who probably need a bit of a explanation of what, actually what is business continuity. I mean, in its in its you know in lay in layman's terms. Yeah, sure, like of course, yeah.
1: Um, okay, so business continuity in, in 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 simplistic terms is about planning for events that can negatively affect your business. Very obvious um, examples of this are. Organisations planning for a fire or flood or terrorist um, events and things like that, and how their organisation would continue to serve its customers and continue continue to be able to trade um, in in such circumstances. Now, organisations typically um, plan out those scenarios and then uh, look at the risks. You know, look at those risks and the scenarios, and look at how to mitigate those risks and put plans in place. We're taking exactly the same approach. For our Brexit continuity planning.
0: Yeah, is this a similar sort of approach to, uh, that an underwriter, for example, say in the London insurance market, might take to exposure management? In some senses, um, in some senses it is. It's all about
1: risk management. It's all about understanding. Um, the nature of um, your business, um, the variables and, and factors that impact that. So you know what your clients are thinking, or customers, or policyholders, whatever you might call yeah. them. Yeah. Um, you know um, what they're thinking, what your investors are thinking. You know whether they are investors in the you know the the private equity um, sense of investors, or whether they're investors in terms of um, you know uh, direct investors in an insurance company type yeah. of investors. Um, so making sure you understand what their ra- their rationale their thinking is, um, so that um, wh- if they start to think differently as a result of Brexit, um, you've already mitigated
0: those risks or accounted for those risks. Sure. When I mean, you mentioned before that it's uh, very much a C-suite, you know, or CEO-sponsored uh, type of approach, but. Um- to make this work, I mean, it seems to me that you probably need to have a, a very much an enterprise-wide or a cross-company approach to this. That that must entail quite a lot of project management, so, you know, and and, uh, and and planning within that. So, how do you bring together all these different uh, teams and units? You're you're right, Chris. Um, continuity planning of any any kind um, has
1: to, by its very nature, uh, be a uh, you know a cross-business um, event. Um, if any one department is doing continuity planning, just you know, just on their own, then they may uh, be able to identify some areas that um, uh, that cross, or identify things that uh, cross over into other areas. But you're not getting
0: a whole holistic mm. um, continuity. Plan. Presumably, the point, the thing about this as well is, I mean, it's all very well having you know, having a cross company approach, but presumably. Um, I mean, it's difficult for you to to assess your own risk in a way. You, you you probably need need a a co-sourcing sort of partner or someone who's got a more of a bird's eye view, presumably, to you know, to help in this. Well, Chris,
1: I would never,
0: um, you know, yeah, <laughs> heaven
1: forbid that I should say uh, no to that, um, to that. Um, however, you know, some organisations can do it themselves. Um, sometimes it's a matter of bandwidth. You know, people mm. don't have the um, enough time to actually conduct these uh, these things. Um, um, sometimes it's a matter of skill. People don't have the knowledge or the expertise to, um, to um, you know, perform a risk assessment and understand um, how to mitigate some of those risks. Sometimes they have all the knowledge. Uh, but actually, they just need some guidance to actually take them through the process or a process that can okay. um, that can get them on the right path and Actually, this podcast and the and the articles that surround it are actually part and parcel of that process to help people understand some of the things they need to do to get them in the right place. Um, and to, to move them forward. And then obviously if they need assist- additional help or mm. assistance, you know, um, Fifth Step
0: is obviously there to help them. Okay, well, you know, how are you there to help them? What is the, you know, the Fifth Step approach to this? Okay, so um, the approach that we're going to talk about during this
1: podcast is really based on the uh, the US National Institute of Standards and Technology NIST um, mm. approach uh, to resiliency. Now, the reason uh, that we use this approach uh particularly um when trying to co- communicate this out to a you know a, a broad audience is that it's very easy to to communicate or far easier to communicate than other uh, other approaches and it's easy for boards to understand it's easy for the c-suite to understand and it's also um you know easy for others within that chain you know in the in the cross business yeah. um approach that needs to be taken so um, the NIST approach, as um, you know, some listeners will uh, will know, um, has five steps to it. So we've very much followed those uh, those five steps, as um, you know, from a resiliency perspective, um,
0: addressing them from a, um, a, a Brexit continuity planning perspective. Are we looking at this then? Um, when, you know, do you start off by looking at Brexit from some might say the worst case scenario, which would be the so-called you know hard Brexit? I mean, some people think that's the best case scenario. From a short-term sort of business the disruption perspective, I think everyone will agree there's going to lead to a lot of, you know, implications for disruption. For most
1: organisations,
0: um, you're right. The hard bre-
1: Brexit. I've also heard it called clean Brexit, but I haven't, I've uh, heard that one. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. There seems to be a number of names for it, but yeah. but the hard Brexit. Now, the hard Brexit is the the opposite to uh, opposite extreme to where we are at the moment, where there's um uh, there's free trade between your um, European member states and uh, including the UK um, under a hard brexit that wouldn't be the case and it would go to the um, WTO uh, world trade organizations standard treaties then um, which are fairly basic but it does ensure that there are some um are mechanisms for uh, for countries to to trade between one another. Now, for some organisations, actually, um, they've already recognised the opportunity within Brexit and are, are perhaps angling their business towards that right now, and they see real opportunities in that. So for them, their Brexit continuity planning may be that actually doesn't go for a hard Brexit. It may be that the soft Brexit is their greatest risk. Yep. So the direct answer to your question is it needs to be tailored to the business but for the planning purposes and for this discussion, uh, we will take the um, the hard Brexit as being the the scenario that um, that is negative or potentially negative to the business. Or well, not negative? That's the wrong way to, to view it. Is the greatest change to our business? Okay. Um, okay. Uh, and therefore, the uh, the way and means um, uh, for us to mitigate
0: the risks that we're potentially seeing in that. Okay, well, vendor and supplier risk is clearly a, are going to be a key area here. So, what do you advise about doing to you know, monitor your your supply risk? Yeah, so um, so vendor and supply risk really um, sit in the identify, identify
1: stage. Yep, yep. Yeah, so sitting in the identify stage, what we're what we're looking at really is we're um, we're identifying the um, the risks that our organisation faces, and and how we start to. Um, Identify potential mitigation for those. So, as you rightly say, vendor and supplier risk. So, um, what we're looking at here is um, how might your vendors and your key vendors or your key suppliers actually be impacted uh, by Brexit? You know, are they undertaking a similar sort of process to this to understand their risk and their exposures? Because um, as uh, Brexit comes into into force, however that whatever shape that may be. Um, the economy is going to shift slightly and things are going to change. The last thing you want is a key supplier um, you know, um, going under or stopping trading or changing the way that they're working at the last minute um, in your mm-hmm. eyes and you not having the uh, the ability to react to that sure. and that obviously then negatively impacting your business I suppose it's
0: a bit the same for you the, the client and uh, or customer risk really I mean over reliance on one you know, potential customer could be always going to be a big issue
1: yeah absolutely it's a big issue and it's the same kind of approach that we would recommend so look at your um, look at your customers um, look at your um, look at your vendors and suppliers um particularly the key ones you know for organizations that have you know um hundreds or even thousands of um, of suppliers you know and on the other side customers you may need to look at them in in groups or group them together but looking at them uh, to judge um, what the likely
0: impact um, of brexit is going to be on those organizations or on those customers how, how do you do that in practice then I mean do you have a a database, or would you help them to put together a database, and then you assess them and score them? Is that something that you actually do? Yeah, through? well, that, that's something that we can work them through. There's yeah. there's a, there's a very high level and simplistic way, um, yeah. which
1: we talk about in the um, in the in the in the in the supporting blog, um, that talks about um, you know just um, looking at them from you know using the same framework as, as we're looking at here, and just sort of assessing you know how how um, how likely do you think they are to be impacted by. Um, um, you know by Brexit you know do they have key vendor relationships are they getting um, raw materials for example um, from um, you know from somewhere in Europe or uh, are those raw materials having to be shipped across Europe in which case you know may they be delayed as a result of um, you know increased um, you know security at borders and things like that. It's technology that
0: can help with this as well. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. There is technology. Also, the yeah. other one, of course, is um, uh, the credit. Uh, the credit insurance companies mm-hmm. do a lot of that in, in this area, and they're monitoring Brexit very carefully at the moment. But uh, yeah. so p- part of the credit insurance product is, uh, is a is a a mechanism for actually assessing the you know, the company risk uh, impacted by external events. I think mean, that's another one that's probably worth mentioning. Actually, absolutely
1: right? correct. Yeah, absolutely correct.
0: Uh, so, in terms of well, market access risk is another. Uh, crucial area so what are you doing in that sort of well the market access risk but I think it's also important just to mention
1: investor risk as as the other angle of um, of that Um, so in the um, uh, in the article we talk about investor risk Um, some organizations will have private equity um, um, you know investors of that nature Um, you know some of our financial services clients in the shape of um, insurance companies for example have um, you know direct investors whether they be um, hedge funds or, or the like, um, you know, how is their attitude going to change to the UK, um, in a um, you know, in a hard or soft Brexit, depending on the scenario that you're looking at. Mm. Um, so making sure that you've covered, um, you know, those three, um, those three areas, um, you know, in some detail, making sure you understand your client's impact, um, your, um, um uh, your vendor. Um, impact and also the investor impact. So making sure you understand the impact on those three groups of people um, to um, uh, the impact of their business and therefore the onward um, you know, downward chain um, impact on your business. There's, so I guess there's
0: potentially managing potential relocation. I mean, from a purely uh, curious curiosity point of view, I mean if, if people, you obviously can't mention client names or people that you've been working with, mm-hmm. but have uh, they been whispered? We've heard about it was on the news a couple of days ago about banks, certain banks are looking to move some of their operations to whether it's Frankfurt or Paris or, or Brussels. Have you heard people talk in similar terms in, in, in your sector? Yeah, I
1: mean, um, organisations are um, at the very least um, looking at, you know, uh, continuity planning. Um, yeah. You know, they're looking at what it, what it um, is likely to mean, what it might mean. And yes, there are organisations um, who are, you know, that one option, uh, yeah. yeah, looking at one option, the, the extreme option may be to, you know, um, relocate as a as an extreme example. Right. Okay. The real challenge about that, um, though, Chris, is that um, if you're going to relocate um, to another um, another location, that's obviously a big change. It's going to need to be managed. It's going to need to be planned. It's going to need to be executed. Yeah. And you know, those, uh, those kind of um, Moves obviously won't be undertaken likely. Shouldn't be undertaken um, likely because of the risk they
0: introduce to the business. So as well. I assume if you, if you start going on lots of short distance flights to Frankfurt over the next two or three months, well... <laughs> I couldn't. I couldn't possibly comment. Chris, I couldn't comment. <laughs> but the other thing that's been mentioned a lot here is the you know financial passporting rights, which um, I mean, it seems from, from a layman's point of view, from my perspective, seems a relatively complex area. Is that is that correct? Well, it is relatively complex. I mean, it's a simplistic, um,
1: um, you know, it's a simplistic um, aspect of, you know, the market um, access risk. Um, So, um, part of the market access allows um, um, financial services organisations to trade cross uh, cross boundaries. Um, And that's called financial passporting, um, essentially. So, uh, the maintenance um, and the ability for organisations, um, you know, currently based in here in the UK, to mm. continue um, undertaking their trade um, across Europe to their, you know, to their existing clients, and likewise for European-based companies to um, sell their products into um, into the UK, mm. is the financial uh, passporting um it's relatively simple uh, simplistic in that respect yeah. um it's relatively complex at least in the negotiations and um you know what has been um uh, spoken about thus far in the media yeah. you know, it, it, it it's an area where obviously the financial services are pushing hard and saying you know we really want this because it minimizes the risk and reduces the amount of change um and obviously there'll be some um some factors whether they be um um, you know, from Frankfurt or elsewhere, I may have a, a desire to actually, um, you
0: know, push for change
1: yeah, and, yeah. and reduce that.
0: What about the, I mean, we've talked a lot about where well, it's, you know, financial passports and rights and some fairly sort of abstract uh, types of, of concepts to a certain degree. But obviously, people uh, on an abstract abstract concept—they're you know they're they're, they're a reality here—and so I guess access to staff and skills is going to be a key consideration. It it has, it absolutely has. So, um, you know, some
1: organisations recruit or depend on uh, recruiting from um, uh, other parts of Europe. Others just enjoy the fact that um, you know they can be based here in you know here in London, and they have access to um, you know to a very um, large uh, resource pool, if you like, uh, and can actually draw people from all over, um, you know, all over Europe to um, to come and work for their organisation um, that's uh, you know currently based in the UK. Um, um, as Brexit works its way through, um, obviously, if there's not free movement of, of people, then that could be a challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be that some organisations um uh, can no longer uh, find all of the all of the people that they need it may be that they uh, are um, uh, it may be that competition for people increases as a result of that it may be that wages actually increase for certain um, in certain sectors that yeah. um you know previously
0: um, seen people coming from other parts of Europe to help fulfill some of those roles yeah have you have you seen a, a, a rise has there been a rise in sort of uh, the brexit to Pmo teams. I mean, are people sort of bring together cross company sort of resource to try and manage this? Not, uh, not quite yet. I mm.
1: think um, I think because um, you know Article fifty hasn't yet been triggered, um, and the negotiations haven't yet um, started. At least on the face of it, there um, you know there's a lot of uh, posturing and things like that has started, but because um, the main um, negotiations haven't started, I think at the moment um, organizations are. Are um, you know, continuing um, as they were, whilst putting in plan, uh, putting in place some plans um, to remediate some of the immediate issues
0: that they are, uh, they're identifying. I mean, for for um, for highly regulated sectors, including financial services, I mean, there's also a risk of uh, regulatory divergence. So, what, what does that mean? Um, yeah, it's um, it's really an area where
1: um, you know for the for the next few years, at least, um, I would. Suggest that the UK and Europe, at least from uh, um, you know all of the regulation that's in place at the moment, and that includes uh, you know things like data protection regulation and things like um, uh, solvency two regulation and uh, MiFID two and Basel three and all of those all kind those, of things yeah. um, um, that are either in place or coming down the line. Um, you know, particularly for financial services, um, which is, you know, one of the more regulated um, environments, I would, you know, I think the working assumption is that there's going to be a continue to be equivalency uh, for the UK. I think there will have to be. And and immediately, you know, um, you know, so when Article 50 gets triggered, um, you know, um, I think there are plans there to you know, migrate European legislation over into um, UK legislation that gives the opportunity for regulation um, and governance to potentially become divergent. But obviously, the government is aware of these things and industry bodies are, sure. are, are aware of it and will be placing the right amount of pressure, um, I'm sure, uh, to lobby the government to maintain um,
0: yeah, um, you know, co- uh, onward compliance okay. and equivalency. Okay, well, I think we've covered off a lot there in terms of the identify um, aspects of the uh, NIST framework. Um, the next part of that, I guess, is is protect. Yes. Uh, so, what, what's involved in the protect stage? So, protect is very much um, you've identified the risks and you've
1: identified some of the um, some of the um, the. Um, mitigation that you can put in place it's really about putting in place that mitigation so it's about um you know cross-training uh cross-training staff putting training programs in place if these things are appropriate to uh reducing your risk um to um to um, to brexit um it may be that if you're identifying that a large amount of your business is conducted with European countries, and you're and you're concerned about that, it may be that you actually um, start to look uh, to other markets uh, to actually diversify um, your market um, okay. in that respect. You know, um, for example, if all of your business at the moment is going into Europe, you perhaps start to look at uh, ways of going into North America, if um, you know if that's the right thing for your business to do. Sure. So it's about having identified those um, the mitigation tasks. Um, then actually starting to put them in place, so starting to build up the protection for your uh, for your organisation.
0: Okay. Well, if we move on, then the detect stage is, is where we identify that the risks have become a reality. So, uh, where does the Brexit continuity plan get involved in that? So, yeah, it's very much around identifying um, um,
1: you know what the reality um, is as the negotiations take place. It's about um, not uh, being you know, knee-jerk. Um, you know, not believing everything that's written in some of the uh, the tabloid press or even some of the broadsheets. Um, to be honest, um, it's about taking a level view um, of these things and adjusting uh, your plans um, as you um, you know as you go through. You know, uh, having a, a continuous improvement approach to um, to this, and as you're going back and saying, right, well, what. What are the new risks that we're now identifying with what we now know? But it's absolutely critical, Chris, that people aren't being knee-jerk about this and aren't doing this with, you know, every new uh, Daily Mail headline. For example, um, you know, they're not uh, just
0: leaping on the uh, um, on the bandwagon. Okay, I think uh, in the past you've mentioned was there, there was a couple, one key phrase I think you mentioned before, which I thought was quite. Um, interesting uh yeah so um uh
1: brexit is likely to be a
0: negotiation
1: conducted in plain sight but behind closed doors so i think it's um you know what i'm alluding to um uh, in saying that is that um um the press are going to want news about this um they're going to find news about this some of which uh, won't actually be news um You know, the real negotiations are going to be conducted uh, behind closed doors. It's going to be critical that we understand, um, you know, every opportunity, what the government is negotiating. Um, But some of that news won't be able to, um, you know, won't come out until the negotiations are in advanced stages for obvious reasons. You know, negotiations, good negotiations can very rarely be conducted in, you know, with an audience. Yeah, it's Um, going to be difficult, isn't it? Yeah, uh, I think so.
0: Yeah. Uh, Then the next uh, stage is the respond stage so what activities uh, fit into under that umbrella yeah so the um so at this stage
1: really the final deal um you know the negotiations have uh, have been completed um at this point um so it's really about then identifying um um you know from your planning uh what steps have actually need to be put in place so um you know um is free movement of people um you know uh uh, a risk that became a reality. So you know now the the border controls are stricter, and uh, you know the visas are required for, um, and work permits are required for those um, coming from Europe. Um, if that's the case, well, um, you know, is that just going to be a delay to your uh, recruitment process, or actually, is it going to be you know more serious? Are there going to be more serious limitations to, to it? So it's about identifying those challenges, um, and the uh, or. Implementing the plans that you identified earlier on in the identify stage, and finally recovery. So recovery is actually um, putting all those plans in place, getting the implementation um, underway um, and and completed. And some of these things will complete um, at a far earlier stage, and some of them will obviously uh, run on longer. Um, it may be that. Um, you know, there are only, um, you know, one thing and it's some low hanging fruit there you, that you can actually done, get done quickly. It's important to get those things done and not to treat it as, a, you know, as a serial, uh, a serial um, uh, project. And, you know, one of the aspects, uh, what I mentioned a little bit earlier on, is about having that continual improvement approach. Mm-hmm. You know, that goes for identifying the the risks um, that your business faces as, uh, you know, as we learn more, as we go through the negotiations. But it's also about um, implementing a continual improvement programme um, as a business-as-usual approach, so actually getting things underway. Um, you know, during the negotiations, I think there's, um, you know, the two key stages that are going to have to be repeated are going to be the um, the identify and protect, right? You know, so as new news comes out, and as um, you know, as um, not just news, but information that you can yeah. rely on uh, comes out, or data, uh, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. data, uh, data trends, and policy um, start to start to be um, formed. Yeah. Um, then you can actually go back and say, right, well, um, it looks as if things are now heading in this direction. So you know, we've assumed a planning um uh planning scenario of a hard brexit um you know as we identified earlier on perhaps now things are drifting away from that perhaps it's a little bit softer brexit and you can build that into your into your planning you know does that ease things does it change you know how much does it change things Does it identify other risks that should be um uh, that should be taken into account and then of course if you're repeating the identify stage you need to uh, repeat the protect stage to make sure that uh, you're all your organisation is implementing those immediate tactical steps um, that can be um, used to protect the
0: organisation and get it ready
1: for the uh, okay. for the further stages.
0: All right well I think that's uh, covered off both things I mean to summarise um, if, you, if you were able to summarise some of the stuff we've been talking about today I mean would you be able to summarise what the next steps are really from your point of view? Yeah uh, absolutely I mean run a um, you know um, get involved in actually running
1: a, an exercise like this, and um, do that with um, a, a cross-company team. Um, you know, yeah. so put the cross-company co- team together, run through the, the five-step process, and implement a continuous improvement approach um, to make sure make sure that the, your plans remain current, um, but also implement it so that post-Brexit um, your organisation continue can continue to improve um, and learn from. Uh, those experiences
0: okay all right well that's uh, i think that's summed up most of the uh, everything that we've talked about today so well if your organization needs help in starting this process then uh, fifth step we've got a lot of experience in helping organizations to identify and mitigate these risks um, and they'll be able to help you put in place you know plans and, and processes so if you'd like to know more about the fifth step approach um, if you go to www.fifthstep.com com. I believe that's the address, isn't it? it is. Then uh, go there and you'll find all sorts of interesting information and uh, and you know a good thought uh, leadership portal as well, which covers a lot of these issues. So uh, thanks today for that, Darren. Been interesting stuff, and look forward to talking to you next time. Thanks, Chris. <laughs>